What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoyed this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe, rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork Podcast. You're catching us at a very, very unhinged moment in time, which I think will make for a great podcast episode. So I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing, Jenna, because I feel like we've talked enough about that. Um, But I am going to throw it right over to you for your What the Actual Fork moment of the week, which is easy because it's your own social media post. So let's... Before I tell you that one, I'm going to tell you okay. my actual what the actual fork moment of the week that oh, too I love is, it. I mean, I could give you like a hundred, but this morning I went out for coffee with some of the moms from my son's um, preschool class, which was like so nice, so nice to connect with these women, so nice to be with other humans, so nice to have a conversation. But like, I I die when somebody asks you and like. I guess what I should say is my what the actual fork moment is like, not everybody is on social media. And it was very like relevant to me this morning or like my eye opening for me this morning when like the ladies were talking about like what they do for work or like if they work, et cetera. And then someone asked me like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to call myself. I don't know what I do. Don't Google my name. And (laughs) It is. It's actually so refreshing, though, <laughs> connecting with people that don't know what you do. I actually, and I, we should just, I've said this on previous episodes that we need to come up with like complete alter egos, like different professions of like, you know, I make bead bracelets or something. Like right. just completely like, so you don't have to even answer or talk about questions related to dieting. And then I've like mentioned something along the lines of like, you know, I am a dietitian, but mostly for social media. And then like, then they were like, Oh, like, what's that like? And I was like, I don't know. I just fucking fight with 18 year olds all day in the comment section on posts that are supposed to help people with eating disorders. <laughs> like, I, and then I sat there and I was like, did I say too much? Like, are these people like, going to Do they understand what I'm saying? But I think that's that's actually a perfect segue into today's topic because, like I said to you off air, I feel like you've been doing a great job of posting. Like you said, though, 
what what you just said it is so accurate. Your posts are so helpful for people who struggle with disordered eating and eating disorder. But we know that TikTok and Instagram take those posts and shove it out to the wrong side of Instagram and TikTok. Just for fun. Just for fun. But it's like a win-win because now you're going viral. But then the when you look at the comment section, that's when like, you have to make sure. Why the fuck am I doing this to yes, myself? Yes. It's like... <laughs> It's a double-edged sword. So, um, do you so think that I- they do that on purpose? Like, do you think it's like it picks up pretty quickly and like it's for the right people? They're getting it, and then all of a sudden, because this is what's been happening for me, all of a sudden, I get comments like, "I can't stand dietitians." Um, what's another <laughs> one? So don't worry about eating healthy and just consume seed oils, and my inflammation will go down. Good advice, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Straight from the comment section. I put the post says orthorexia is more inflammatory than seed oils. And in something, blah, 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 I shouldn't put her name on there. It says, no, it's not. Like, okay, thank you so much for your your help here. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. These are insane. Like this person wrote, oh, who's looking for attention on the internet again? I'm sorry. Are you triggered? Like, fuck you. Here's one. Orthorexia isn't an eating disorder. At worst, it's a personality disorder. Like there is so much misinformation on the internet. It's absolutely horrifying. Here's one. Cry me a river, but if you obsess over food choices and being nervous about ingredients, you have a disorder, I bet they will sell you meds for that next. Like, no, I, I, it's, it's very, it's very frustrating. I know. And I feel like we've talked about this before because it's like, if you put out the educational content or the um, you know, content of talking about how to find food freedom or how to make peace with food or how to make peace with movement. Like you'll get like two views, but then (laughs) if you use (laughs) words or topics, let's say like seed oils, which are really hot right now in the world. Oh, God forbid raw milk. Yeah. Right. Or like colostrum or whatever then. And you're, you know, the opposing viewpoint, you're going to get torn apart. Um, so yeah, you're on a whole different side of the interweb than I am right now. <laughs> and I I don't know if I should be envious or um, stay away be, or be thankful. <laughs> but but I think like you know, it it speaks volumes to how oh gosh, like you said, misinformation, disordered thinking, um lack thereof knowledge of eating disorders and disordered eating. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's wild. (laughs) Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, You're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS dot georgetown dot edu 
slash podcast. So let's, uh, let's talk yeah. about orthorexia, though, because I think there is a lot of misinformation. Um, and then we can really talk about, like, what is disordered versus what is health promoting and how this line gets really fucking blurry and how to to kind of navigate that. Yeah, because there's people like this guy that's now trolling all my posts saying, what a bad take. A dietitian telling people not to worry about seed oils being evil. Enjoy your thyroid cancer. I enjoyed mine. Like, so I just want to put this disclaimer out to everybody to please not read the comment section of any of my posts from <laughs> from now on. And there is, I'm trying to find it and I can't, but there is somebody on here that basically said that orthorexia is not real and that it's anorexia. And I just want to describe or put out there as loud as possible and just say that that is absolutely not the case. And orthorexia nervosa is its own eating disorder. Um, And I am on the National Alliance for Eating Disorders website right now, which is allianceforeatingdisorders.com. And orthorexia nervosa is a type of eating disorder characterized by an extreme focus on healthy, quote unquote, eating. The term was first used by Stephen Bratman in 1996, and he called it a fixation on righteous eating. This put a formal name to what psychiatrists, dietitians, and doctors have been noticing for years. Um, it says, in some cases, it helped professionals understand that some of their well-intentioned advice could have contributed to their patients' eating disorders, which is so, so interesting. Um, Healthline says that orthorexia nervosa is an eating disorder that involves a fixation on healthy eating. A person with the disorder may focus so much on optimal nutrition that it impacts other aspects of their life. And I think that that is where that line gets really blurry. And I know you've done an amazing job in the past of talking about, is it healthy or is it disordered? Um, And I think we could just kind of talk back and forth about that because the line is like the grayest shade of gray. <laughs> like, yes. And it's really hard to define, which is why it took until 1996 for this to become classified. Yes. And I think your post is a perfect example, like we've talked about previously, of how it's one sentence that you put on this video, right? <laughs> where you have, you had no context. Off. There's no, there's so much nuance to it and people are taking everything to an extreme. And I think we actually talked about this on like last week or the week prior where you're like, okay, look, if someone came to me and said that they were drinking seed oil for breakfast, Chugging for it. lunch, <laughs> for dinner and snacks, and those were the only, that was the only thing that they were consuming, then we would want to look into that and say, you know, like, first of all, you know, the why behind it, how does it make you feel? How does it feel in your body? You know, are you satisfied? To add into that, I would say if you're eating the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's chugging canola oil or you're just eating clumps of kale, like we would want to intervene with both of those scenarios, right? Yes. (laughs) Or like only raw veggies right? Even if it's just like a category of food. Um, so there's that, right? And 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 so people it, literally in your comment section are taking it to like, that's what they're thinking that you're telling people to do totally. is to chug seed oils and it, it, it's going to like save you or fix you or heal you when you're just saying that you don't need to obsess and fixate and get like crazy about eliminating these in whole from your diet. And when I say diet, I mean what you're eating and drinking. Um, and so I think like with orthorexia, there's, 
can you read just the the beginning part of it again? It was like the obsession with healthy eating, extreme focus on quote unquote healthy eating. And And it was like righteous, right? Yeah. That was another piece of that. Where is that line? That was so good. Um, A fixation on righteous eating. Yeah. And so really we could take any, like we could riff back and forth on any behavior. And I'm sure you and I could give hundreds of examples and even think of case studies with clients that we've worked with where one person, let's say logging food, let's go with this Mm. behavior. Okay. So we have logging food, which I spent fucking 10 plus years in my fitness pal, logging every calorie, every gram of fat, sugar, you name it. And I had so much morality tied to food. And if it didn't fit within my my little range that my fitness pal gave me, which it was telling me to eat 1,200 calories, the nutritional <laughs> needs of a two-year-old, then I thought I was a bad person and I was obsessed with it. And then if I would go over that amount, I would say, fuck it. And I would go crazy and I would eat everything and I would binge and it would create this terrible restricting and binging cycle. So that would be a perfect example about how logging food was not a health promoting behavior for me personally. Right. And I know a lot, I have a lot of clients that have similar stories and I'm sure you do too. Then we can look at other clients, some that we've worked with. I know you do this with your clients as well, where they might be logging their food, maybe not the numericals, but like taking pictures of it and sharing it with a weight inclusive dietitian or provider so they can check in and say, how is my hunger my fullness, my satisfaction with this meal? Did it meet my expectations? The intention of logging the food is completely different. Mm -hmm. So my first example of me with logging on my fitness pal versus the second, we have very disordered me versus the secondary example I just gave of clients, completely health promoting if it feels aligned with what they're trying to achieve. A hundred percent. That's such a good example. You all know from being longtime listeners of the podcast that Jenna and I love quick, easy, convenient meals. You can refer to last week's episode for more on that, but that is why (laughs) we absolutely love Factors Ready to Eat Meal Delivery. It is an amazing option when you don't want to cook, when you don't want to prep, when you don't want to shop, when you don't want to think. They have over 35 meals to choose from per week, and it takes two minutes to heat, to eat. I... This season of my life between entrepreneurship, motherhood, craziness of life, baby growing, like this is this is my dream. So I have been absolutely loving the factor meals. And I think this just like goes to show you how we talk about this all the time, right? When something like meal prep is stress reducing in your life, it is not diet culture. It is a nutrition enhancement Absolutely, <laughs> your mental health. And I couldn't say more gratitudes towards Factor for just being available and ready to eat in my home. I'm so grateful for it as a brain dead mom of the moment. <laughs> I was going to say that Factor <laughs> is fueling us so we can record this podcast. <laughs> like, Cheers to that. So I don't know about you, but I think that this is something that everybody needs in their fridge. So head on over to factormeals.com slash fork50 
and use code FORK50 to get 50% off. That's code FORK50 at factormeals.com slash FORK50 to get 50% off your order. Please let us know which meals you love best. I think that another one could be something along the lines of I don't want to use seed oils because it's just so triggering for so many people right now. But it's like, (laughs) it could be adding protein into your meals, right? Let's go with that. So for me in the past, the obsession with eating a high protein diet because I was told it was going to change the physical shape of my body with combined with whatever else unhealthy behaviors I was doing at the time, the obsession with eating high protein was disordered. Today, fast forward, a focus on making sure all of my meals have protein in them is completely different because I want to feel satisfied. I want to feel full after my meals, comfortably full. And I need that meal to take me to my next meal or snack, which with a newborn and a toddler, some days I don't know when that is. So I can't risk being ravenously hungry after a meal that doesn't have enough quantity of protein in it for me, right? So I think there was an obsession of having protein at in everything that I ate because it was going to lead to a physical change versus knowing that when I eat a meal with protein in it, it's going to help me balance my blood sugars. It's going to help my digestive tract. It's going to help digest slower in general. It's going to keep me fuller longer, et cetera, et cetera. In addition to supporting my overall health goals, which are to stay healthy, especially during sick season. Um, So, you know, that's a completely different scenario. It's more of like nutrition awareness versus nutrition obsession. And that is something the internet doesn't seem to understand. Yes. I like to always, we had a, last March we did a masterclass, nutrition science without the stigma and talking Mm. about how nutrition education is a powerful tool when used in the right intention and thinking about, you know, the, when we think about challenging the food police, which is one of the principles of intuitive eating, we walk through the different voices and we talk about the nutrition informant versus Mm. the nutrition ally. And when you're in diet culture, the nutrition informant is really loud and it uses, just like you said, it uses nutrition information and knowledge to keep you restricting, to keep you following strict rules, that whole discipline, willpower. But as you make peace with food and kind of walk this intuitive eating journey, we talk about how that nutrition informant voice shifts to the nutrition ally where you can use nutrition education and medical nutrition therapy and nutrition science as a powerful tool to better your health physically, mentally, and emotionally. But if you're rooted in diet culture, right? If you're following these restrictive diets and these, all of these rules under the umbrella of wellness, it's really hard to use nutrition as a tool to help you because a lot of times it's harming you. And it's that, that like all or nothing black and white, like very icky format. Yes. 
And I know you just had a masterclass, I think, all about fitness, right? Yeah, I literally just got off like so a minute ago. That is like the best example of is it disordered or is it healthy? And I, I want and I would love for you to hop in and kind of share what you guys talked about. But I think that's like one of the biggest ones for me personally, because I, it's hard to put into words because now that I've lived it and like can actually know the difference between exercise for disordered intentions versus exercise for health, like it's very, very clear, but it's also not something that, I mean, it's definitely something I can make a post about that people will be fucking furious over, but like, (laughs) it's a tough one to really like put to words. So can you share what the masterclass, like what was shared about that? Oh, for sure. And I think the easiest thing would have people go back just a few weeks ago on our podcast. We had, so I, we had Abby Chan on here. Uh, I believe you were still on maternity leave then. So Abby Chan was the one who just guest coast guest co-hosted my masterclass with me and we talked all about reclaiming movement. And Mm. I, I had the honor of seeing her live last fall at a conference and, you know, she talked, she's a, she's an owner of a fitness facility. And so she talked about how there was this really missing link in the anti-diet space. She almost felt like shame. I don't know if shameful is the right word, but like embarrassed to say that she owned a fitness facility because she Mm. felt like people in the anti-diet space, like only like gentle movement of like walking, right. Or like yoga and stretching. Yes. And so (laughs) she really helps people reclaim their relationship to movement and understand like why it is such a difficult relationship. Um, so, but we also talked a lot about that again, just a few episodes back on here. So, um, all of our listeners can go back and listen to Abby's, uh, um, podcast episode. Cause really a lot of that reflected what we talked about in the masterclass, but I think what could be helpful because you could take fitness or movement, whatever, however you want to call it, let's call it movement as a more neutral word right now. And then you could we could like sub layer this into a million different behaviors. So like oh. before you even said movement, I had two written down, but I'll start with one wearing an Apple watch. Right. I can't tell you how many times, cause I always have mine on that people oh, like, will guilty. comment <laughs> and be like, Oh my God, you're wearing an Apple watch. Like, ha- like either very curious saying like, how do you do that? I obsess over my step count. Like I get really guilty or shameful if I don't move my body when it tells me to stand up or, you know, whatever. Or people ask me like, isn't that disordered? And I love my Apple watch for the sole purpose of it tells me what meeting I need to be on when it, I, I turned off all of the movement notifications. Um, so I never get pinged to like stand up or whatever. It, like also, it tells me to calm down when my heart rate's, <laughs> when your heart rate's too high. I have it like very monitored of what notifications I get. So like my daughter's daycare app will vibrate. So like when it's like new photo of Sienna. So like, and, and I love like, I'm, who did I say this to the other day where I was like, I can't like, I can, but it takes me a while. I can't tell time on like an old school watch. Like, just give me a fucking digital face and tell me what time it is. Like, I'm not trying to like count the numbers and shit. So I want to know what time it is. I also love knowing the weather, even though I'm like literally sitting by a window and can see it. Like I want to know the temperature. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. 
The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So anyways, I have no guilt or shame if I look down at my step count at the day and it's 1,500, 2,000, 10,000, doesn't fucking matter. There's no morality tied to these numbers for me. Now, with that being said, I can say that there was a time in my life that that wasn't true. Mm. Also thinking about so many clients that I work with who have so much obsession, anxiety um, related to their Apple Watch and feeling the need like they are a bad person if they don't get X amount of steps per day, right? Or if they don't get their heart rate up or get a certain amount of intense exercise every single day. And so in some cases where like... Wearing an Apple Watch is perfectly health promoting and has no effect. In other cases, wearing an Apple Watch can be extremely disordered and something that we do need to step away from until it feels safe enough to come back to. I love that. And I think with all of these examples, and there are so many more, um, I, I have a list of things that I want to read about the symptoms of orthorexia. But if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, they just gave three examples and I fall onto the disordered side of all three, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have orthorexia, but what it does mean is that there is a little bit of digging that we can do to explore the intentions behind your choices that you're making and see if these choices are actually healthy, quote unquote, for you. Mm -hmm. And maybe a little extra support is necessary. It may mean you do have orthorexia, right? But it doesn't necessarily, like we're not diagnosing anyone by saying, you know, if you are nodding your head like, oh, that's me. I can't wear my Apple watch without stress. Like we're not diagnosing you right now, but I do think there's like a little bit of a push in a different direction to either seek more support. Both of our private practices now take insurance. If you have insurance and want to run your insurance benefits, we can do that for you. Either one of us. Um, and get you a little support in that direction or reach out to your medical team um, and just start talking about these things and get the help that you really deserve. Because if we go back to the um, initial inflammatory comment, for lack of a better word, like the stress that you're putting on your body for trying to be a quote unquote righteous and healthy eater, right, is causing inflammation inside your body. It is. That's Mm -hmm. the definition of stress, right? You're feeling stress in order to hit step goals, in order to hit movement goals, in order to eat perfectly, in order to track perfectly, whatever it is, this is causing stress and stress causes inflammation in the body. Whereas seed oils, I don't know how much you're eating, but if you are eating goldfish here and there and you're cooking with canola oil or whatever else, the orthorexia is causing a lot more inflammation. And that was the point of my post. <laughs> <laughs> to, to wrap that with Just a bow. To, to bring that together. <laughs> but I'm really, I'm really glad you said that because yeah, this is for information and educational purposes only. We are not able mm-hmm. to diagnose people with eating disorders. But I think, you know, what we do know is that dieting is the number one predictor of eating disorders. Yes. And so a lot of what we're talking about are like dieting behaviors. And I think, you know, I feel like we have episodes on this of like the difference between disordered eating and eating disorder. And it's that line also gets very so unclear. And I think people only think of eating disorders as anorexia, bulimia, typically 
again, like only being like a thinner, emaciated body. We have yes. the amazing episode we did with Sharon Maxwell talking about how eating disorders do not discriminate and they are very common in all size bodies. Um, and so I'm really, really, really glad that you brought that up because yeah, we're not diagnosing anyone. We're just sharing that some of these behaviors are disordered, which could simply be disordered eating and the result of chronic dieting, or it could be pointing towards, Hey, can we get curious and and maybe get some support and look into, do I have an eating disorder or am I headed in that direction if I continue with these disordered behaviors? Yes. So I'm on Alliance for Eating Disorders um, website right now, and I want to just read through these bullet points. Um, So it says in this category of the article, what are symptoms of orthorexia? And in the beginning of this paragraph, it says the main symptoms of orthorexia nervosa are refusal to eat certain foods out of magnified concerns about their quote unquote healthiness and weight loss due to inadequate nutrition. However, there are several other behavioral signs that a person might be struggling with orthorexia nervosa. So I'm going to read these bullets. And if you're listening, you know, like, and you're going to nod along saying like, okay, that could be me. That could be me, et cetera. Reaching out for support could be really, really beneficial for you. So number one is constantly checking the ingredient labels and nutritional information, spending inordinate amounts of time on quote unquote health food or nutritional sites or similar social media sites, Instagram, healthy eating groups, et cetera an outside sense of pride in their health and eating habits. Body image is not always a concern, but it can be. An increase in concern about the health of the ingredients that we are consuming. Increasing inability to eat certain kinds of foods and an increasing amount of quote-unquote fear foods. Cutting out an increasing number of food groups. Showing great interest in what close associates are eating. Becoming stressed when thinking about social events where food is going to be served. Avoiding eating with others if they do not control the menu. Difficulties at work or school events where quote-unquote unhealthy foods are shared. Showing high levels of distress when safe or healthy foods are not available and safe and healthy are also in quotes. Frequent quote-unquote cleanses where the person fasts or eats a specific diet intended to rid the system of toxins. So again, a lot of these behaviors are super normalized by the diets of the world and the social media platforms of the world, but they are not normal. And they're not health promoting. And they're not. And And they are stress induced. They're inflammation inducing. Can I say that again? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have in our practice, we use the evidence-based assessments that come out of the intuitive eating um, research. And that's like, you basically just read off our one assessment form and I'm like, well, shit, it's, you know, and, and that's what, when we work with people, they usually check off all of those boxes. Cause it's so normalized. Yeah. It's the physical, social, psychological, and behavioral implications of dieting. Like if you are chronic dieting for a long period of time, it is going to wreak havoc on your mental health and how you relate to food. And, um, yeah. And we'll put this article in the show notes. I just sent it over um, so that 
if you don't believe me, you can see this for yourself. Because <laughs> well, we great. know there are some people that hate listen to us. Us Jersey Shore. Isn't of, it interesting that we have Jersey hate Shore listeners. Social. <laughs> if I hate it, like there are times that I try certain podcasts and if I hate it, I just turn it off. Like I don't want to keep time? listening to it. But the, what we have to remember is we have such amazing humans that listen to this podcast yes. and the majority <laughs> of them want to be here, are happy to be here, and we're helping them. And unfortunately, the people who are leaving you very hateful comments <laughs> on your Instagram post, they're not the ones listening to this, although they need to be. We right. can link, you could just, you need to just copy and paste the link of this episode, like in your comment section under like over every and over comment. and over again. <laughs> yes. I love the comment that just came through that says, I'm laughing at the triggered and misinformed people in the comments. <laughs> Okay, so at, with that being said, let's wrap this episode with a bow on a high note. Please. You <laughs> sent me a voice memo this weekend from... Oh, you, yes. Yes, you led a, a workshop at a yoga studio and you got very, very positive feedback from someone. So can you share with our listeners what they shared yeah. with you? So I had the absolute pleasure and privilege of speaking at a yoga studio that is so weight neutral. It's like what I wish every studio in the world would be like. Um, and I wasn't sure they do host an eating disorder recovery group in this studio. And so I knew some of the people coming to the presentation were part of that group. And so I kept the presentation incredible, like I always would, but incredibly gentle. It was like a very safe space. Um, and we talked about health and nutrition and ways to promote health in a very weight neutral way. And after the presentation, somebody came up to me and said that they have been a long-term listener of what the actual fork podcast. And after being in treatment, um, it was our podcast combined with some of what they learned from the treatment center that saved their life. And I like got in my car and immediately voice memoed Sammy and was crying. And, you know, sometimes you just feel like, first of all, am I talking to anybody? Am I making a difference? Is anybody listening? Right. And we know you are, we see the numbers. Um, but to hear something like that and to know that the struggles that we share and the experiences that we share are truly helping someone for the better. Like I couldn't ask for anything more. And my husband reminded me of that yesterday when somebody made a very hurtful comment about my physical body on one of um, my posts. And he was like, why are we focusing on the one negative comment when there's like so many positive ones? And it's because that's like a natural thing to do. So yeah. just putting that out there that it happens to everyone. Um, but to hear the positive ones that truly make a difference. Like it's just, it means more than you could ever know. So to that person, if you are listening to this episode, thank you for sharing. Um, and please know how much we appreciate you. Yes. And we want to hear from each and every single one of you who, you know, have really been longtime listeners and it's been helpful. So every time that you rate, you review, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, we're really grateful. Um, and it helps balance out the one-star reviews of people that say that they're afraid for our children. Um, and that we're the Jersey Shore of depth. I think that being called the my Jersey favorite. Shore of podcasts is one of the best compliments that my I favorite. ever get. <laughs> like I, we need, I need that, like, um, not the whole thing, but we we need to like frame that review and put it somewhere because <laughs> it's just, it's great. 
It's great. Um, it really is. So, yeah. So I think, you know, again, to wrap this episode, I think I love how you brought up Jenna. Like if you are recognizing that you are relating to a lot of these symptoms that are, you know, of orthorexia or just disordered behaviors in general, I want to just say there's nothing wrong with you. Like there is nothing wrong with you. This is a product of diet culture. This is a product of living in the world that we live in, following restrictive diets, doing all of this, you know, thinking we're improving our health, but really it's, again, these are things that are getting drilled in our head from these terrible influencers (laughs) that live in the world. Um, so there's nothing wrong with you and you're so brave for even being here for listening and for even thinking about starting to reach out and ask for help. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at what the actual fork pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for more fun.